I'll fight for it, Bruce. I'll fight for bacon <laughs> at every aid station. We need bacon and pancakes at every aid station and tacos at every aid station. That's all we well, <laughs> And you got to put all those three things together. So the move is you take a pancake, you make it into a taco shell, and you put bacon in it, and you run off with a bacon pancake taco. Welcome to the Just a Runner's podcast. We're here to talk about all things running and racing on the Youngstown area's first running podcast. Here's your host and Youngstown Marathon Ambassador, Bruce McIntosh and Pico. Hey everybody, how's it going? Not a lot to talk about this week. I got a great interview coming up today with uh, Jessica Vandenbush. Kind of screwed up at the beginning because I thought I had everything written down. And when I started it, I kind of like couldn't find it right away and decided to just wing it and messed up her name. Well, and anyways, uh, it all went pretty good and luck has it. She's putting out a magazine called eat clean run dirty and it had showed up uh, to my house on that day so I had a quick chance to really uh, glance it over and take a look at it so everything's it went pretty good and she gave her the chance to talk and she took advantage of it so I'm gonna keep this section short so we're not too long today and overall like I said not really a lot going on as far as running wise, been kind of a down week. And next weekend, well, actually, it's this, well, next weekend's coming up the, on the 19th. I am go, doing my virtual Centennial 5K, NFL Centennial 5K. All right, well, let's just get to the interview. Welcome to the Just a Runners podcast. I'm here with uh, Jessica Vandenbrush. Did I get it right? It's Vandenbush. Vandenbush. It's a good Wisconsin name. That's what I should have had my uh, glasses on. Sorry. And, okay. Uh, I just got your magazine today. Uh, she's the. She what? Are you still doing the Sugar Stride podcast? You know, I changed the name of it, so it would match the magazine, so everything goes together. But it, um, I haven't done the, an episode of the podcast in a couple of months, but I'm actually recording a bunch of them this week and next because I'm turning the magazine into an audio version for the podcast. And so for every article in Eat Clean, Run Dirty magazine, there's going to be a corresponding podcast where we have a really neat conversation with the author, like the writer and the artist that contributes to the visuals for each article. It'll be pretty cool. And we're gonna just release them all as they are ready. Yeah, I was about to say you were also the editor, producer. Uh, uh, as far as I know, you're just about everything from the Eat Clean Run Dirty magazine, which I got I am, my- <laughs> I am the only employee, Bruce, the only employee. So you have all the job. Uh, I guess it says Volume 1, Summer 2020. Is this the first edition that you put out? Yeah, it's the first whole edition. So we kind of did a test run and literally thought of it like a test run, um, like a practice edition. It was a mini, uh, both, and it came out in April, April and May. Um, yep. It was, I think, believe 12 pages. It was uh, like a small version. And at the time I had probably 110 subscribers that received that special limited edition copy in the mail. And it's just like if you're training for a race and you'd go on some long runs and you know try stuff out before you had race day, thought the same mentality would work out for a magazine. I've never done a magazine before. 
I'm, you know, figuring it all out as I go. Like, I don't have formal training in any of this. And so, um, you know, using the software for all the graphic design and things like that and working with the printers and, and then the whole ordeal of mailing these things out to everybody all over the country and how much postage costs and, you know, there's so many little tiny things you never even think about when it comes to putting together a magazine. And that mini version was a really cool test run for that. And then the one you have in your hands is like the first official copy. Yes, that would be issue one. We're called the other one issue zero. Issue zero. Oh, so I haven't actually missed the issue then. <laughs> Technically, no, no. Uh, so what made you want to go into uh, magazine making? Because it's not actually a, from what I understand, it's not really a booming industry right now. But I, <laughs> No, it's not at all. It's like kind of the opposite of what's <laughs> happening in the world right now. So, you know, one of the things is I actually love magazines myself. I really do. Um, I like having it having something and, and i'm person too i don't have a kindle i like buying books yeah and, i have a problem with that lately too <laughs> yeah, i like buying books i like having the book in my hand i like having a magazine in my hand i even like newspapers and i like feeling it and smelling it and having an experience with it i like you know traveling with a paperback and using my plane ticket as a bookmark and i like waking up in the morning and you know paging through a magazine and you know maybe spilling a little coffee on it <laughs> i like tearing out <laughs> pages of it and um you know being ex inspired by the beautiful photographs that come in magazines and taping them to my refrigerator and thinking about like you know hey like i want to go there sometime or maybe in all different things like I collect catalogs even um, for inspiration for all sorts of things. It's the thing I love. And I think that as things go on in the, you know, the developing technology around us and how everything's on our phones and social media and especially going through COVID, we don't even see each other in person anymore. Everything's no. online and virtual and virtual runs and you know, there's like Zoom meetups for yoga class and we're taking like the intimacy out of living. And I don't like it, you know? I'm a girl no. who I want to smell it and feel it and taste it, life. And so I think that it's actually perfect timing for something like a print-only magazine because Damn it, we need it. You know, we need to like get back to what's real. And um, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of vinyl records. I listen to vinyl records. And like I said, I read the newspaper. I call people on the phone and I write oh, people. I call people on the phone and talk to them. And I write handwritten letters and I, you know, I put together a print-only magazine, and it might be a little bit old-fashioned. I also, I, I preserve fruits and vegetables in jars, old school, like grandma did. And, you know, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't like shortcuts, and I don't like taking the intimacy out of life. And so um, I hope that this kind of brings us back. It's, it's kind of like one of the things I love is Sunday supper. And um, before COVID, it was a thing I did pretty regularly is um, unless I had to work or I was going on a trip on Sunday evenings, I would invite my friends over and I'd post a recipe, something simple, not too fancy. I'd post a recipe and the ingredients to it and let folks know what we needed. And if they had something in their pantry where they could bring it. But when they got to my house, we'd you know, figure out what we needed and we'd walk to the grocery store together and we'd split up around the store and get our ingredients and come back. And um, if I had a friend who played an instrument or something, you know, they'd, they'd bring that out. And um, 
we'd cook together, you know, somebody be in charge of cutting up the vegetables, somebody else would be in charge of the grilling the meat or whatever. We'd cook together and then we'd sit down and we'd eat together. And, you know, there's all sorts of people that were invited to my table and there, you know, it was always a place for everybody and it, it was communion and it was family and it's community. And, and so there's intimacy in that. And I kind of wanted to make like a Sunday supper of running in a magazine form, you know, and kind of include everybody who's involved in the running community and welcome them to the table and even people who are outside of the running community and just in the outdoor space and kind of welcome everybody to, to the conversation and to the community through paper, I guess. That's a great idea, actually. Mm -hmm. I, if you ask me, because uh, I've always been like you. I, I like magazines. Uh, something about the pictures. Maybe it's because I, the, you know, the attention span isn't as long as a, for a whole book. Uh, and like I said, I just got it today. I've skimmed through it. Haven't actually had a chance. But like, was that? I mean, you mentioned some of the things you were not expecting. Uh, how were you, how were you going to go about like picking what articles go in here or what right. you want to put in it? So at first, I'm going to back you up. So you got this magazine today. It's yes. a little bit different than some other like it's a little different than the other running magazines you're probably used to seeing. I would guess. Yes, I I have read a lot of Runner's World. I've gotten uh, I've gotten well, you can't even get running times now, and I've got gotten Trail Runner in the past. Mm -hmm. But it's a so, different feel to it. Well, it's literally a different feeling, right? Like the paper is a little bit gritty and it's not shiny at all. You know, Runner's World is a shiny, glossy magazine, right? Yes, and it is. This one's matte and um, it's, it feels a little heavier even in your hands. It feels substantial. And, you know, it's it, uh and going through it is very visual. Um, there's, you know, a lot of uh, photography, things like that in it, a lot of art. Um, as far as picking the stories and things like that for it, um, you know, we, I did have a lot of people submit things, right? Um, yes. And, you know, I've, had to say I actually said no to a whole lot of people because there's a lot of things that this magazine will be and then there's a lot that it will not be and part of the reason why I started it is because I found that there's an integrity issue in some of the other magazines because the way publishing works right like you're you have to make money with the magazine to be able to have it you know like that's the whole idea they sell ads right yes that's and, the basic <laughs> right but i think that it's a good thing i'm not a, in publishing because i really don't know the first thing about selling ads <laughs> and, <laughs> um there are ever there is advertising in this magazine um you know yes, oh, a couple there's a couple there's not a ton though a couple and and the ads that are in here a couple of them, like the there's a full page ad from Leave No Trace organization. It's informational, you know, like it's it's almost looks like an article itself. Well, I um, thought you had a gin ad in here. It turns out it's an article, <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it's kind of I I uh, it is uh, it happens to be the director of beverage for Watershed Distillery is a runner, and so he wrote a story. Um, the, you know, I, I had a company approach me and they wanted to do paid reviews. You know, they wanted to send me items and then I could do reviews of the items, favorable reviews, and yeah. post them in the magazine and they'd pay me for it. And to me, that, that seems disingenuous. You're, yeah, some drones being paid to do good reviews. I mean, right. Like, I watched, uh, you know, I don't want to, like, 
totally hate on anybody, but there's a fella, there's a fella who has a YouTube channel and he's pretty popular and uh, he's a certain, um, the ginger runner. And so he's got this channel and I watched, he had like a video about like the top fall running picks of gear or whatever. And everything he showed was like, all stuff you know they just sent him and they like paid him to say it was great and i thought like well crap like this this isn't you know like he had no nothing else to say about it you know i don't know um so the things the things in here the things that are advertised and um we can talk about watershed distillery for a second um watershed distillery is based out of columbus ohio it's a small, it's a small company and they have a distillery. They make bourbon and gin and vodka. And they also have a kitchen with a fantastic menu and very stylish, very cool. And during the COVID shutdown, their business was pretty devastated. You know, they had to shut down their kitchen and um, put a lot of people who depended on coming to work, you know, they couldn't come into work anymore. And they turn their operations instead of selling gin and making gin, they dedicate a whole hell of a lot of their operations to making sanitizer at the beginning of COVID when it was really scarce, you couldn't get it anywhere. And they started making sanitizer and then gave it away for free to first responders and clinics in the county where they, where they are in Columbus, Ohio. And then after they, you know, everybody who wanted the free sanitizer first responders, then they would sell it for a very reasonable price. They did not price gouge or anything to people through a drive through at their distillery. And then they reached out to the restaurant suppliers who supplied all the produce and meat and like the butcher shops in their area where usually they'd buy food to make for their restaurant. Because when all the restaurants had to shut down, those businesses suffered too. And they put their chefs to work at their restaurant, acquired all this food and made meal boxes with recipes for all their employees every week. And their employees could come in and get this box of local healthy produce and meats and cheeses from the area with instructions on how to make it. And then they kept all those people on staff too and paid them what they could during the shutdown. Um, and so, they make gin and yeah, there's like, you know, there's a gin feature in the magazine, but the, you know, they're a company that is really doing the right thing along with, you know, really taking care to do environmentally responsible things in production and things like that. And so when going through this magazine, the kind of companies that I am inviting or curating to advertise in the magazine, are of like the highest vibration you know they're big and they're small but they're doing the right thing and there's you know not room for just anybody else so um, a couple of places i've had to turn away because they just don't meet the criteria even though i really do need ad money make no mistake <laughs> <laughs> i am spending my lunch money bruce on this magazine i don't have i am not a rich woman at all by any means i'm living on cheap wine and eggs <laughs> but um, <laughs> i'm living on cheap wine and eggs but um i will not sell out for anything less than what i think is right and so you know those are the kind of criteria for the people that we invite to advertise in the magazine and so people know now you know if they're interested you know we're going to ask more questions than how big can you write a check for and there's also, um, there's a little, I'm so sorry for Gavin so much, Bruce. I just oh, no, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> the other thing too, is we have scholarships. If, uh, you know, and I posted a thing on the website about it. If somebody wants to read this magazine and they want to come, you know, like I said, if they want to come sit at the table that is eat clean, run dirty, but finances just aren't, aren't a good spot for them right now they can write me a note they don't have to explain it just let me know they're on hard times or whatever but they really want to be reading it and um i will 
give them a subscription or a scholarship subscription because it's not about money it's about community and so um and the same thing goes with some of the businesses that you know we've have advertised covid really devastated a lot of businesses and so instead of me asking them if they can help me it's the other way around and me asking them how i can help them so it's a different kind of magazine for sure yeah definitely gave me that impression when i received it today it wasn't the typical running magazine or magazine in general uh like i said it's you can just tell right as soon as you get it that it doesn't feel the same it doesn't look doesn't have that glossy feel to it and no i start looking looking through it you're not seeing as many ads which i guess from one perspective that's a good thing (laughs) yeah um and and with that too you know like there'll be ads but there's a certain ratio that i want to maintain of content versus advertising um and so it will it will always be full luscious and vibrant of content that's useful and the advertising has to look a certain way too um to kind of go with the magazine you know it needs to be visually stimulating or interesting or informational you know there's like there's a like there's that leave no trace ad and then there's a there's another advertisement in here about recreating responsibly and that that's actually an advertisement but it's informational it provides value to you you know um and so, so that's this one almost looks like a real ad. Wasatch Nectar. That is a real ad. <laughs> yeah, that is one of our partners. They are, that is an official advertisement. And Wasatch Nectar, they're fantastic, Bruce. Uh, that's a company out of Utah that makes new, like running gels out of raw honey and electrolytes. They're actually there's no maltodextrin anything if you look at the ingredients on one of these packets it is raw honey and like sea salt it's fantastic stuff and uh, uh, a really fantastic woman owns this company and she's amazing and we're really proud to work with wasatch nectar um so you know that's that's the thing so it's not even the gels that we're advertising, it's a gel, but it's not a bunch of maltodextrin and all this like, you know, made up ingredients. It's, it's whole, whole foods that it's not, you know, good for you, but then also like a small business doing the right thing. Yeah. Like I said, it kind of, all your ads kind of blend in with the theme of the magazine and the feel of it. Uh, where did you come up with the title Eat Clean Run Dirty though? Um, originally, so I also have a running club in Cleveland, Ohio. And originally it was the name of my running club. And I was just trying to think up of I didn't really have a name for the running club, but I wanted to have a group run. And I wanted to like run trails and eat healthy food. And so I came up with this name for like the like Facebook event or something that I created. I just came up with it. I don't know. I didn't hear it anywhere else. I just came up with it. And then I was like, oh, I might as well just call like the group that name. And so I started off with just having that. It's like a Facebook group running club in Cleveland and had a couple of different runs around the area. And then I had already had the podcast and it was called the Sugar Stride Podcast. But then I thought, like, actually, I, I like Eat Clean Run Dirty better. So I changed the name of the podcast to Eat Clean Run Dirty to match the running club. And then when it was time to start a magazine, I thought, well, it's a cool name. I might as well use the same name, too, so everything matches. Yeah, go with it. Yeah, I was – well, I, I've been listening to your podcast for quite a while. I think I have a few years at least. And Well, that's oh. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That's why I, and I hadn't realized you changed the name. Hopefully I don't. 
But you said you haven't had one out in a while, a few months. Yeah, it's been a few months. Uh, I think the last one I recorded was with Cody Reed. Um, and that's the last one that was up. And like I said, uh, the next few episodes. So I will record an episode about Orcas Island at that race this last February. If you listen to the podcast and you know how important Orcas Island is for me, and this will literally be like the third Orcas Island race episode. Um, <laughs> cause it's taken so long, but, um, this one has a different ending and I probably recorded like four hours worth of audio out on the trail with like my mini handheld recorder. And that race had two separate ice storms in it. And I recorded during the ice storm with like trees crashing and falling and all this. It it was pretty biblical. And (laughs) it was like the worst year that you could possibly run Orcas Island. The race tractor was like, in all my years, I've never seen it this bad. There's so much snow on the course, and then it was flooded, and it was crazy. Um, so, of course, that's the year I went ahead and finished it. But um, So I, I've got a lot of recordings from that, including, like, the pre-race meeting and stuff. It'll be really a neat podcast when I get it up. Um, and then after that will be all that uh, – every single – uh article like i said in the summer edition is going to be turned into an audio version of the article um so like you know i'll talk to sabrina about the how to train yourself article and we'll have jordan on there the photographer and you know those pictures in the sabrina's article is kind of the, the first really big article in here after jesse's beautiful pictures of sandra Which um, one's- it's on page nine I always love having visual aids for my audio only podcast. Yeah. So exactly, yeah. So. Well, when you yeah, for, when for the, the viewers, out, and we don't even have our video going here. Uh, when the you know, okay, for everybody listening, get your magazine, get the clean, run, dirty copy, volume one. I'm sure I got a connection here. We can get it for you, and then listen to the rest of the podcast. Then listen to this podcast. So maybe, <laughs> Exactly. But, um, you know, looking at Sabrina Stanley's article, which she just got, she crushed the Nolan's 14. She got the FKT um, like a week ago, which is amazing. She's just an amazing human and so sweet. And she might be my most frequent guest. She's probably tied for Lee Connor right now. Um, But looking at this picture, you know, um, Jordan chapel took he's a a photographer um and these photographs are from the the high lonesome 100 which is a fantastic race in colorado and if you look at this picture you can see the runner in the little red vest um so tiny on the bottom on the left page and it really puts into scale the course and where they are and how difficult that terrain is and then it goes into Sabrina's article about training yourself for a hundred mile race and that you don't need to hire a coach. You have everything you need. And she lays out, she has her own coaching business with Avery, but she lays out exactly how to write your own coaching plan. And it's really helpful. And it's, you know, paired with, um, these beautiful photos that Jordan took of high lonesome. And so you get to see these amazing pictures of this race. And, you know, the kind where you want to tear out and tape them to the refrigerator and then, you know, learn how, you know, you don't need to hire somebody to be a coach. You can, you know, figure this out, write your own plan. It's really helpful. It's actionable. It's helpful. Um, You know, and you're learning from the best. And then after that, it goes into an article. My friend Maggie Olson writes for the financial diet. And I asked her to write an article about, you know, a lot of folks train for races that are far away and they spend their family vacation on a race. Some of them bring their family, some of them don't, but they take their time off from work to go running in beautiful places, you know, and that costs a lot of money. You think about um, every year, the Western States 100 has that lottery, right? Yes. And it costs a lot of money to, to go run Western States. If they actually pick your name, that race entry is, you know, pretty expensive. Uh, what is it like 
It's like four hundred fifty dollars. Um, I'm guessing it's up there. I think it's worth four seventy five or something. I don't know. Somebody is listening right now and they're yelling at their phone because I'm saying the wrong number. But it's a lot. So the second they pick your name in that lottery, they deduct that money from your account. But then the other thing that happens is, oh shit, I gotta get to California. <laughs> and not only do you have to get to California, you probably don't live close. And then you have to figure out where to stay, and you need gas and food, and it's a big ordeal. And with plus that four hundred bucks, you're talking probably a couple thousand dollars. You bring your crew and everybody out there. Um, couple thousand dollars to go run that race if they pick your name. So, like, who can afford to get picked for the Western States Lottery? But um, lots of people want to run it. It's a lot of people's dream, you know? And so I asked Maggie to put together an article about how you budget for that. How do you save money and plan on doing a big race like that? And what kind of costs are associated? You know, what what kind of things you got to think about? Um, if you go run a race, maybe you have to pay for extra bags for the plane or, you know, stuff like that. Maybe you need gifts for your crew. Um, and so Maggie wrote an article about that that's actually helpful. And um, Glenn Takayama is an amazing photographer who lives out in Seattle. He works at Seven Hills Running, but he is an amazing photographer. And so one of a really cool destination race that I want to do, it's called Secret Beach. And they literally, it's 100K, they run along the, where they filmed the Goonies, like, uh, you know, on the Pacific coast in Oregon. And it's gorgeous. And so the pictures are paired with people running on that beach. And so I I hope that, you know, these articles are, are really well thought out, but they're made to add value and to be helpful for, like, everybody who reads it. Not when you read Runner's World, it's like somebody who's, you know, an elite runner talking about doing fart licks. And that's fine and all, but this is actually what my life is like, is saving money up to go to California or something, you know, not. You have to get some advertising to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so. Well, now you got me wanting to invite these people onto my podcast. <laughs> Right? I, and please, Bruce, please do, because everybody who's contributed to this magazine is just incredible. Um, just some really, really special uh, stories in here. Uh, another, you know, the next one is Jesse Kokotek. Um, right at the beginning of the whole COVID shutdown, like in March, there was a race called the Georgia Coastal Greenway, and it's a 155-mile race. And there's a woman named Sandra Garrett, and she ran that race anyway, even though like everybody else dropped out of it. And she she was one of only two runners, and she basically ran the 150 mile race alone. And it's all on roads. And Jesse is a photographer. He followed her in his van, and so he actually made a film about it. That's quite fantastic. But I really think his images are powerful and beautiful. Um, Sandra ended up winning first female, but she was the only female, um, which doesn't make it less honorable. I think it actually makes no. it way more, way more badass. Um, but um, some, he took some really beautiful images of her and this accomplishment. Um, you know, so that's an amazing thing. So, yeah, like invite Sandra on your show. She's amazing. You know, invite Jesse on your show. Um, by Maggie, you know, like everybody who's involved in this magazine are humans doing really cool shit and contributing to the communities that they're in. Um, so I think that would be wonderful. Yeah, I, like I said, I was glad I saw you on Facebook and trying to decide to pick it up. And then I said, you know what, I want to talk to her. And I knew you liked doing podcasts from previous listening. Um, look at, not to get away from the magazine, but uh, just a little bit about your running, because I already missed one of my first warm-up questions, not to go back to it, but... Uh, yeah, go back, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, it's like, uh, 
I always like starting off asking people, how do you like your pizza? Is there any specific way or place? Mm, mm. I actually really do like pizza. Um, I prefer wood-fired oven pizza. Um, I like my crust like a little bit charred. And I, I like the kind that has like maybe a little ricotta and garlic and like arugula on top. Um, if I'm being fancy. Otherwise, um, I like some thin crust pizza too with a little bit of pepperoni. I, I eat animals these days. Or uh, I, I love New York style too where you can kind of taco the pizza. But I feel like I got to run at least 20 miles to earn pizza. So um, it's usually kind of reserved for after long runs and races. But I guess that's yeah. I like I like when I travel. I like going out for pizza in the town that I'm in wherever they say is the best pizza and trying it. Um, and you kind of got to get a taste for the place by where their pizza joint is. That's one of the reasons I asked this question. So I can have places, you know, some of them are local. I've, I've discovered, hopefully I can find some other places. So if I'm out somewhere, you know, that, that's gotcha. my plan. Well, where do you live, Bruce? I'm in Boardman, just outside Youngstown. Hmm. I gotcha. Well, we, I, I actually believe we met for about two seconds a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, you were running the Burning River, and for some reason, it was right, I think it was actually on my birthday that year. Uh-huh, that's awesome. And for some reason, we went up to uh, Brandywine Falls, well, and we got there like a lot of runners were coming through right then. And I think, I swear to this day, I've, you were one of them. And the other one was John Craze. It was, I'm pretty sure you know him. Yeah, and John's awesome. He's been on the podcast. He's been on my podcast, John. I haven't worked out a time with him. I'm going to, eventually I'm going to get him on here. Mm-hmm. I got a, uh, do you know Barb? His girlfriend? Yeah, I do know Barb, yes. I had her on a few weeks ago. They're fantastic people. They really are. They're they're very caring, down to earth, and they're pretty badass too. So they're just delightful. I'm just trying to get back into it. And well, what actually got you into ultra running? Not just you, you've done quite a few ultra events. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the thing I love right now. Um, so. I started running and then I got into, well, I haven't been running all that long, but right shortly after running, I got into trail running in Northeast Ohio, where I live, there's a whole lot of running clubs and running groups and things like that. And so I quickly found a group called the Tuesday night group run and they meet in the Cuyahoga Valley national park, basically every Tuesday, sometimes some of the, the Metro parks. And afterwards, they meet somewhere at like a tavern and have a beer and a burger or something and talk. And, you know, through there, I learned about another running group called the Crooked River Trail Runners. And they meet on Thursdays and kind of do the same thing. It's a common theme among trail running is you you go run in the woods, um, usually in the dark with a light strapped to your head. And then afterwards, you, you know, throw on some sweatpants and you drink beer and eat, eat food and um you know talk shit and i love it i just loved it right away and i love the people around it and so we would hang out at the crooked river trail runners and during the winter time um back in the day they'd hang out at this clubhouse at a golf course in the national park and people would talk about running 50ks and and all this and and just there's something about the look in their eye and how they talk about it. And they talked about it like they, they were in love with it. Uh, they talked about it like poetry, you know? And I wanted to know what they knew. And so then it was coming up, the, the, um, the leader of the Crooked River Trail Runners, his name's Jim Christ. And he's uh, one of the race directors for Burning River, actually. Okay. He, he invited me, he knew I was new to the group. And he said, hey, Jess, there's a film festival coming around, and I think you might really enjoy it. You should think about going. And I said, okay. I didn't know many runners at the time. I was pretty new still, you know. And 
So I went down to one of the Cleveland independent cinemas, you know, the cool ones where you see old movies and you can drink cocktails at the movie theater. And James Varner was there with his trail running film festival. He's uh, the race director of Orcas Island. And he travels around um, with these running films. And uh, it was pretty small. I mean, you know, they probably had 100 people out of like a 500 seat theater come. And they had a raffle, gave away some prizes. And the guy who who started Territory Running Company was there. And I met him too. He's a nice guy. And, and James uh, showed some films. And one of the films that I saw was about Orcas Island. And at the time, I didn't know that there were 100 mile races. And I didn't know that there was 100 mile mountain races. And I had never been to the Pacific Northwest. And I actually didn't know what it looked like. I'm from northern Wisconsin, but I didn't know what Washington looked like besides, you know, I know where it is in a map. Um, and, you know, that movie, uh, that video is available on YouTube. Anybody can go watch it. And it's a good film. It's by Matt Cecil. And so what was the name of the video again? I think it's I think it's literally just called Orcas Island 100. <laughs> like, it's a but it's a couple years ago. A lot of people since then have made different movies about Orcas Island. So you gotta when you look on YouTube, you gotta kind of look around. Um, this one, the filmographer, his name is Matt Cecil, and he's from I think Vancouver, and. He also made a film about Fat Dog 120. He's a fantastic gentleman, very sweet, very talented. And so I sat in that theater and I watched this film about this beautiful place that looked like, like, like a wonderland, like something I had never seen before. It was so green and luscious. And there are runners in this landscape, like just running a hundred miles over mountains all night and all day and and but and it was so hard and you could tell it was so hard but they had like this expression on their face that was joyous and how they talked about it i just i was taken aback by it and i told myself in the theater that day that i wanted to be a mountain runner and i wanted to run 100 mile races and i wanted to run that race and since that day I swore that I would run Orcas Island and I had gone back the next year. I later found out my, my very best friend, Lee Connor is in that movie. I didn't know her at the time, but Lee Connor is in that movie. And many of my other friends now, because uh, Orcas Island, it has a pretty big community around it. The same people go back every year for a reason because it's a beautiful race. And I've been back there three times and, uh, I'm like so proud to say I'm part of that family too. And anyway, so that's, that's how I got started at ultra running. You know, I ran a couple of 50 K's and I signed up for burning river 100 because like I said, I wanted to be a hundred mile mountain runner. And so I signed up for that one to see if I could. And then after that, um, I went to do the Chattanooga 100 and ran that. And you know, my sites were Orcas Island was my third hundred mile attempt. And, you know, that's kind of like where I was aimed at. I wanted to run these tough races and find out what it was all about. And so I didn't do the 50 mile. I didn't do 100K first, you know. I've done those since then, but I went straight for it. I went head in all, you know, head first all in on running hundreds. And, you know, this has been a couple of years now since this is where I'm at. Yeah, don't mess around. Just go for it. You want? <laughs> don't build up for it. That would make sense. Nah. Uh, well, I was going to ask your favorite ultra, but you already answered that one. Yeah. Well, I got a couple. I got a couple. I like Orcas Island quite a bit. Um, there's a couple of other special ones that I'll just mention briefly if I can, just because they're special. Um, okay. There's a race in Virginia put on by David Horton. It happens every December and it's called the Hellgate 100K. It's a, it is a very special race. And each October, usually he puts out a, for two weeks, you can apply to the race. It's, it, uh, you need to be invited to apply, but it's not all that difficult to figure out how to get invited. Um, there, there's a paper application you can fill out too. 
Um, that race is very special. If anybody ever gets a chance to go run in Virginia and be a part of those that community, I really recommend it to everyone who loves trails. And um, Hellgate is a very special race. I love that race. And also another race, um, I'll mention two more. Um, the Georgia Death Race. The Georgia Death Race is just awesome. It is like the best of East Coast trail running. And I know there's been a lot of controversy about um, the race director and things like that, but that does not take away from, that is a very special race that a whole community puts on in Georgia. So if anybody ever has a chance to go carry that railroad spike in their pack for 74-ish miles, I, I really think you ought to. Um, and that's usually a lottery. Um, and then the, the other race I'll mention that's very special is, um, it's called the Bighorn 100 and it's in Wyoming. And that, that race is um, just the best of what we have. Community, there's seven women that are race directors that put on that race. Everybody in town is involved, the mayor to the McDonald's. There's a McDonald's aid station. There's, um, oh. They're on the, some of the courses on the Crow Indian Reservation and they have aid stations where they have elk jerky and dried apricots and mountain water. It is just a go beautiful fast adventure. Fast food to elk. Elk jerky, uh, yep. Or on one race. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful race too. If, you, if you're in a hundred mile races and you don't have Bighorn on the list, you, you need to do it. Um, but that, that's my list of favorite races. Yeah, a lot of them, uh, the longer races that you mentioned, they all have that ominous sound to them, if you will. Uh, Georgia Death, Ra uh, Death Race and the Hellgate. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they don't want to like, make it sound easy. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, you will, you will never hear me say, oh, I signed up for Tunnel Hill. Like, no, you'll never hear something like that come out of my mouth. Not that there's anything wrong with those races. They're fine events. They really are. And everybody has different things that they're into. And, and um, like with the magazine, we celebrate all of those things. But the things that Jessica is into is adversity and beautiful views. And um, beautiful views are usually hard-earned. And so um, that's kind of where my list comes from, I guess. And tradition, I really enjoy tradition and community, and all all three races have a lot of tradition and community around them as well. Yeah, one thing I do like, like, because I do road races and I've done trails, and I kind of go back and forth. And one thing that I always found with the trail running community, they seem to have more of a community. Um, I got a really great group I run with, but sometimes it does seem like. You can show up at a trail race and they don't, it does seem like there's a really lot of really great community there with, at least that's been my experience and the few trail runnings, few trail races I have done. I've been considering, Yeah. right now I got a little setback going that got me a little worried about going on trails, but I'm, I was seriously what? considering trying to get some on trails this coming year. Oh, what will make you concerned about going on trails versus uh, on the road? Oh, uh, right now I they I got diagnosed with uh, AFib and I'm on blood thinners and I know oh. how graceful I am. So mm -hmm. I, I've had a few falls when I have run the trails. I don't know if you've ever been down here in Mill Creek Park, but I mean, for down in the middle of Youngstown, to have we have some nice trails. Is that where Yatsi is? Is Yatsi yeah. a home race yeah. over there for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yatsi. Uh, so you're saying be... you're a blood donor, Bruce, is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I've donated blood a few times. <laughs> but, uh... but yeah, I guess that, that is definitely a legitimate concern. Um, I've done road races as well. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just a different thing. Yeah, and sometimes they're quite enjoyable. And actually, it is on my list of things that I I'd like to do is I'd like to do the the world major marathons. Um, I'd like to do New York and Boston and Berlin. That'd be fantastic. Like it's a wonderful way to see a place and get to know the people in it is to do their race. And um, that's 
the one thing I will say, if I do a road marathon, and uh-huh. I've done a dozen of them, I actually prefer the bigger events. I've, like I've gone, gone up and I've done Cleveland Marathon and I've done Akron and mm-hmm. uh, the Hall of Fame down in Clinton. Uh, then I did a little road marathon. If I'm going to be out by myself running, I'd rather be on the trails. Yeah. Miles a road marathon by yourself is probably kind of sad. Part of it is the crowd kind of carries you, right? Um, I've only done two road marathons. I've done the, my first marathon was the Columbus Marathon. and Okay, that's a good then one. I, uh, I did the Cleveland Marathon. And, um, you know, so, so far, that's it. I actually did also, um, I went to do the Chicago Marathon. But it was, um, I had a stress fracture and I plan on not finishing the whole thing anyway. I, I knew I wasn't going to finish it, so I just quit. But that's the difference. Um, you know, that really exposed me to being out in Chicago. And I've been there plenty of times being a girl from Wisconsin. But yeah. There's like, I went and ran. By the time I got to Chicago, I had been trail running for a while. And, you know, I had already done Burning River and stuff. And, uh, I went out there and I ran it like a trail runner might like I'm running and there's a guy like on the side of the road limping and I like stop and I'm like, Hey, are you okay? How's it going? Do you need anything? Like, <laughs> I, like, like you would in a trail race. And you know, when he looked at me like I had three faces and then you like, there's litter everywhere. And Oh my God, like you should, like, I wanted to pick it up. And I started picking up things that weren't near the aid stations and you know, like, and there are so many and, and then as people are running and they're passing me people pass me and and i pass them you know and i'd say like hey good job you know and they'd look at me like shut up <laughs> you know <laughs> um so if, if you go to a road marathon and you act like a trail runner they think you're a weirdo and also um it really solidified for me like where my heart is it's definitely on trail with those people. And so while I appreciate some of these road races, um, you know, I, I got trail runner in my veins for sure. Oh. Well, the one thing I definitely like about trail running was the uh, aid stations with the food tables are all out. I'm hoping COVID doesn't ruin that for the future races. COVID ruined that at Burning River, that's for sure. Um, I just was the aid station captain for a rate or for the Burning River 100 at mile 79. It was Oak Hill, and we were not allowed to have hot food, like no hot food. And usually, my aid station has chocolate chip pancakes, and um. You know, we have pierogies, and last year we had biscuits and gravy, <laughs> and, you know, and we're making tacos. We're making mashed potato tacos, and... Oh, my God, that sounds awesome. Oh, yeah, we have a giant, like, we do it up, and this year we were told we can't have hot food of any kind. We can't have cold food either that's not on the list of aid station food, which was very short. There was like five things on our list. And um, we couldn't even have coffee. And we weren't allowed to touch people. So usually ML 79 of an aid, of a hundred mile race, like people come in with some problems, you know? Uh, People come in desperate and crying and barfing sometimes they're barfing of blood that looks like coffee grounds there's like major problems happening with them a lot of times there's blisters and horrible chafing and you know i'll I'll give them a a burrito and i'm sitting in a chair while i fix their feet and then we send them on their way and this time it was i can't touch you and we only have chips and (laughs) and like stay six feet away, you know, like it was, it was, you know, and, and, um, to say Burning River, the folks at Westerners are racing that put on Burning River, they took a lot of care and effort. A lot of work went into this race for them, really making sure they got all the permits so it could happen. 
but then making sure everybody had proper training, proper supplies, and took the proper procedures. We were sanitizing everything every hour on the hour. Everybody wore masks and gloves and, um, you know, took it very seriously, but it was very different kind of race in COVID than what we're used to having, that's for sure. Hopefully we'll get back to the old way, having those great tables and food and stuff on them. Uh, Eventually we'll get back to it. I'll fight for it, Bruce. I'll fight for bacon (laughs) at every aid station. We need bacon and pancakes at every aid station and tacos at every aid station. That's all we (laughs) And you got to put all those three things together. So the move is you take a pancake, you make it into a taco shell, and you put bacon in it and you run off with a bacon pancake taco. Man, I'm getting hungry again. I'm just... <laughs> okay. Well, uh, getting close to an hour here. I don't want to take too much time. Any last thoughts you'd like to share? Or when the, is there any actual ultra out there you haven't done that it's like on your bucket list? Oh yeah, I totally have a bucket list, Bruce. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <Someone yeah>. <laughs> I totally have a bucket list. So we talked a little bit about the in the magazine, um, the High Lonesome 100. That's pretty high on my bucket list. Um, uh, Hard Rock 100. That is a big, the big one on my bucket list. I'm doing as many qualifiers as I can. Um, a big one on my bucket list is called The Bear. And I have that race coming up in like three weeks. Um, another one, Pine to Palm. Cascade Crest, the Fat Dog 120. Um, there's a race in West Virginia called Highland Sky. I'd really like to do that. Um, I've done Laurel Highlands 50K. I'd like to do the full distance. It's 70 miles. Um, Massanutten, I really want to do that race in a bad way. Um, and then there's a race in Italy called Tour de Jean. Um, that's a 200-mile race. I want to do that. Um, I, I definitely, I have a bucket list Bruce that's exhausting because it means <laughs> a lot of work and a lot of suffering, that's for sure. Uh, Tahoe Rim Trail, that's one I really want to do too. That that one, uh, I want to do that. You got your work cut out. Uh, yeah. I, I have a, my bucket list is a five-year plan. <laughs> that's what it is. Well, if it was easy, it wouldn't be any fun. Exactly. So. Well, well, what if somebody wanted uh, has never done a hundred mile or very little ultra experience? What would you say to them, somebody that wants to get into ultras? Um, I would say do what excites them. Um, forget about the rules. Um, it's a sport of mentorship, and so you know, reach out to folks that have been in the sport and volunteer and be in service as much as you can. That's how you learn. I learned so much from going to group runs and, and asking questions and then from being at aid stations or you know volunteering to help people accomplish their own goals. This is that kind of community. Don't overwhelm yourself with what you're supposed to be doing or what the what's what's the normal way to do it. You know, you heard me talk like I went from 50k to 100 mile because 100 mile made me excited. That's what I wanted to do. Don't mess around. Um, but I got there because I really embraced my mentors. I learned from the other people before me, and I have a lot of respect for the sport. Um, so if you if it's a sport that intrigues you, it's a, it's also a sport that will welcome you with open arms. Um, just come to it with an open mind and to ask how can you help. And, and the more you help the sport, the more the sport helps you. Um, but there's a place for you in it. That's for sure. Okay. Well, I just want to say, uh, good luck when you're running and crossing off that bucket list and good luck with your magazine, eat clean, run dirty. And if anybody is interested, that's, you can get, look it up on eatcleanrundirty.com. I just want to thank you again for being on the podcast and I hope we get a chance to talk again sometime. Uh, sorry, I talk so much. Oh my goodness! I'm oh no! So, I'm so excited about all these writers and everything. You know, um, 
being able to share their work is really important and dear to me. Made my life, made my party easy. I just sit back. <laughs> well, thank you so much for asking me to be on the show. It's definitely an honor and I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. This is Bruce McIntosh. This is Don McFall. And this is Greg Gamble. Join us for our new podcast, Just Running Trio. Coming out in September. Are you sure about that? I, <laughs> I hope so. All right. I'm sure there'll be plenty about running, <laughs> racing, and whatever else. And all our love of the Cleveland Browns. I hate the Cleveland Browns, Bruce. All for fun facts about running, running experiences, uh, some of the tragedies of running, you know, that kind of running thing. Hey, Don, <laughs> you say? The, the, the real key is don't overthink. Rion is none of us like the same. Okay.